Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. On this show, you're going to learn about Silent.Link from the anonymous CEO and founder. It's going to blow your mind and it's going to hopefully give you more control over how you're tracked via your mobile phone. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to escape this tracking. This could be an answer for you to explore. I hope you enjoy the episode. Now, before we do start the interview, there are a few things going on which you need to know about. There's a couple of conferences coming up. One that is going to be put on by Swan Bitcoin. Swan are, of course, an excellent Bitcoin company. You know all about them already. They've got a conference coming up called Pacific Bitcoin on the 10th and 11th of November. If you use the code PRINTS, you will get discounts on your tickets. So go and check it out if you want to get across and enjoy some sunshine with a bunch of awesome speakers and plebs. And the whole Swan team are going to be there. Relay are the Swan equivalent in Europe. And they have just launched their private service. So if you do need that person at the end of the phone, or your friend or your family needs that person at the end of the phone to figure out how to set up their wallet, how to set up their account, how much they can buy, Relay have you covered. It's an excellent service. If you just want to stack with them each day, however much it is, download the app, set it up very, very quickly. Relay.ch forward slash bitten. Coin Corner are doing amazing work out of the Isle of Man to onboard merchants. If you are begging your local bars, clubs, restaurants, cafes, whoever, put them onto Coin Corner. They can open up a merchant account and be accepting Bitcoin very quickly via your bulk card, if you've got one of those, straight into their merchant account on the island. This is such a key part of this adoption curve that we are going through so check them out coincorner.com hit the link in the show notes shift crypto is the place you want to store your sats well if you don't have a hardware wallet it's time to do that research and shift crypto have the bitbox 02 and they have a spare ticket to the amsterdam conference which is coming up in the middle of october there's going to be a little giveaway, so keep a very, very close eye on my Twitter feed and on Shift Crypto's Twitter feed. Make sure you follow and follow the instructions to see if you'll win that ticket. And if you're not going to be able to win that ticket, you can use code BITTEN at checkout. Hit the link in the show notes and you will get discounts on those tickets to Amsterdam. Liberty in Our Lifetime is a conference coming up in Prague. It's going to be the week after Amsterdam. And if you want to come along and meet some freedom lovers and people that are putting things in place, parallel systems, uh, which is going to cross over with your Bitcoin life and figure out a way for you to exit the fiat system. Come and check out the speakers at the conference. It's going to be held 21st to the 23rd of October in Prague, Liberty in Our Lifetime. Use the code PRINCE for discounts and hit the link in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode with Silent Link and that it adds value of people out there that are looking for this kind of service enjoy the show all right we do have recording in progress and i'm here with uh silent link nice to meet you brother nice to meet you too thank you so much for uh for coming on the show and thank you for building cool things with with bitcoin which we're going to get into uh but first of all lauren is going to ask you uh the first question what is a eSIM? eSIM is a modern replacement for a conventional SIM card. It's a piece of code that's downloaded to your mobile phone uh, over internet, over Wi-Fi, that replaces the conventional SIM card and identifies your mobile phone in the mobile network. So you don't need anymore to go to a local store to purchase 
physical SIM card. Makes sense to you? Makes sense now. Yeah. I never knew what an e I feel like an e an e card was like you just put in your phone and it's like just like updates your phone. Mm hmm. Ah, oh, right. I see what you mean. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. No, an e sim, electronic sim, is something you can just download and you can have the SIM card as part of the, the code on your phone rather than the physical SIM card that you actually put in. Okay. Yeah? Okay, yeah. All right. Well, does that blow your mind? Yeah, it, yeah, it does because it's just like when you say Bitcoin fixes everything, mm -hmm. it's most likely true. Yes, it is. And you say that 11 years old. Brilliant. Yes. We strongly believe in that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it can't help some things, but otherwise, most of the time it can. It certainly improves almost everything. Yes, almost everything. If it's not going to fix it directly. But we can we can get into that with, with Silent Link in a second. Are you are you done with your questions? You want to say yes, goodbye? Yes, I yep. need to go to math clubs. So, okay. Yeah. Anyways, bye. Thank you. Thank you too. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Like I said at the beginning here, it's taken us a little while to set this one up and to give a little bit of context to the listeners and a shout out to um, Max or uh, at Pleb Music on Twitter. It he it was his video that uh, alerted me to you and your service and what you had built when he made a documentary of how to live on just Bitcoin for 48 hours in Amsterdam. And he found himself in a bit of a situation where he couldn't get uh, access data on his SIM card for whatever reason, because perhaps that country didn't allow him to access their satellites or whatever. Something we've all struggled with when we, you know, we, we go to different conferences and we land and then we realize, ah, oh, shit, I, my, my phone won't support data here. I had the same problem in Riga just, uh, just last week. Uh, and I've, I have an on-running problem here in France. But anyway, that aside, you figured out a way to fix that uh, with Lightning. It seemed, at least for me, so the way we connected was I downloaded um, the, the app and I was trying to uh, pay for data via Lightning. And we started chatting in the messages and the DMs because you were very, very quick to respond to the, uh, the problems I was having. And it turns out the problem I have is I just have a dumb phone. Well, it's a, apparently a smartphone, but it's, it does not support eSIM. So unfortunately, I can't play around uh, with, with the service as yet until I upgrade my phone. But um, yeah, big shout out for what you're doing. Let's find out uh, what, tell the, tell the plebs, you know, how it works, how they can access the data via silent link and then use Bitcoin um, to, to start using data through you guys. Oh, uh, actually, it's very easy. You have to visit our site. You don't need to download any applications to your mobile phone or computer and just visit our site you uh, don't need any registration at all uh, you do not even need to have an email to use our service uh, so you go to our website you pay uh, in bitcoin and uh, you receive the eSIM that's it uh, you can also yeah, uh, in, in case of any issues, you, you can also use the uh, chat uh, window on our website and ask us uh, anything. When did you guys launch this? In 2020. How did not more people know about this already? It's such a great idea. So I'm looking at the website now, and obviously, like anything, there's different price points. Uh, so you can pay uh, $9. Um, you do not get a number with that. That's just literally data only, yeah? Internet access. Um, is that $9 per month or $9 until you run out? How does it work? 
Uh, it's uh, a one-time payment uh, to receive uh, eSIM. Then you just uh, need to top up for the data that you consume. Right. So uh, do, do you get like a, a notification how much you have left on your, your data plan and how much to top up or you can just pay? Uh, if you wanted to put a fair amount of data on there, just load your account with like 20 bucks or something and, and be alerted when you're getting close to, to that limit? Actually, you uh, get $5 of credit on your balance when you purchase. Uh, then you should refer to pricing section on our website and uh, decide for yourself uh, how much how much data you are going to consume and how much money you want to top up when you uh, spend your five dollars. How does it compare to like your general high street pay as you go kind of uh, big telecom, well known brands? Pricing wise, oh, we are definitely not competing with that because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because uh, honestly, I'm surprised we are still paying for mobile communications at all. Mm -hmm. uh, because when when uh, mobile phones will be drilled inside our schools, I suppose the service will be free. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> actually, the main purpose of Conventional mobile uh, mobile service is uh, much more surveillance than uh, actually communication. <laughs> yeah, something probably we'll going to learn. Yeah, yeah, probably we can uh, suppose it's subsidized by <laughs> by the government <laughs> in some form. That's why it's so cheap. Uh, our our service is. Uh, very slightly more expensive but there is a nuance there you do not have to disclose your identity at all uh, also later we introduced uh, another service it's called identity uh, there is us identity and uk identity mm -hmm. where you get uh, a mobile number with your eSIM. UK mobile number, US mobile number, and we have already sold a limited number of uh, Netherlands mobile numbers. Uh, the, uh, this mobile number you can use for uh, service registration, for instant messengers, for Signal, for WhatsApp, for Apple ID, whatever. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And that's £59 if you're in the UK or $59 if you're in the US. Uh, so that gets you, let's stick to the UK because, you know, we're, we're Euro plebs. Um, you get the plus 44 number. You pay 59 per year, 59 pounds in, in SATS equivalent per year. And then you get that five, uh, five pounds worth uh, initial balance. Um, so you, that just becomes your brand new, like, phone number that you update with all your friends and family. But it... This is perfect for, for privacy, right? It, that is not linked to any telco company that's going to sell your data, sell what you're texting about, sell the, the apps that you're downloading or anything like that. This is purely... Where does... Like, do you store the data or that's just the number is given to the person? How, how, does, how does that work? Uh, the, the number is definitely given to the person and... Uh, the most important uh, thing here is that we do not uh, require any identification from uh, from the customer, so we do not have it. Mm -hmm. So how, wh whoever uses it, we don't know. And uh, we actually do not even know uh, the location of that person, only the local carrier. For, for example, if you use it in France, then uh, France Telecom will know the location of your mobile phone but they will not know your true identity they will not even know your number because they operate a virtual number it's called imsi it can be linked to your phone number only 
through another entity. It's a roaming operator. This is so huge for, for for like the um the guys that are using the, these like Pixel four or five phones. I, you know, excuse me if I'm getting anything of this incorrect because I've not been down the rabbit hole yet of uh, people running Graphene OS, for example, uh, de-googling their phone and and wanting to be more uh, private, less tracked. This is this is the solution, right? Yeah, of course, but this is a very useful even if you use an iPhone. Right. So even if you use the off-the-shelf iPhone, if you were to use your eSIM, that gets rid of tons of the tracking that would come with a normal telco company. Yes, absolutely. Damn, I need a phone with an eSIM. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, what gave you this idea? We were working in telecom and uh, we like Bitcoin. So we decided that we need to bring something to the Bitcoin community relevant to our previous work experience and that's what we came up with. All right. This is great. This ties in with the, the, the fiat journey into Bitcoin, which uh, plebs always love listening to. So your previous career was working for uh, like a large telecommunications company in Europe? Yes, yes, yes. All right. Okay. So you've seen the inside of the belly of the beast. And you... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you did. You can't even imagine. <laughs> okay. Well, this is what a lot of us have no insight to, myself included. I, I, I just have no idea of the power of the, the tracking capabilities and what's actually going on inside. Um, so what, what kind of um, department were you working in were you more on the technical side engineering side software side marketing side what, what was your role there well it was both technical and uh, business what is the main thing do you think the average pleb the average guy on the street uh, would be most surprised to know about what happens inside one. Yes, I'm telling. I'm telling you right now, it's SIM toolkit. <laughs> That's my favorite. It's not the only thing, but it's very. <clears throat> it, it's delightful. So actually, uh, the SIM card is a computer on its own. It has its own processor. Mm -hmm. And this computer is controlled by, not by you. It's controlled by the operator, mobile network operator. Uh, to control this computer, they send uh, uh, special service uh, text messages. So the surveillance technique uh, was built into these SIM cards from the very beginning. Actually, what they can do is that they can send uh, a special service message that will, for example, make your phone that is uh, lying on the table, make, it, make a call to, to their number, and your phone will not display anything at all. But it will just call the number and the person on the other end will be able to hear what's going on around the phone, any mobile phone, without exception. Holy shit. It, it, it was not advertised, right? No. That, it, it is, <laughs> is that even in the small print anywhere? No, never. <laughs> and... Uh, also, they can send uh, a service message that will make them connect to a phone call that 
is in progress as a third party and uh, your phone will not display anything as well. How do you like that? This is fucked up. Like, this is beyond fucked up. But how, a little bit. How did we get here? How does how does anybody like how do the telecommunication companies? It's it's the law. From where legislation? From every country. Was this like a a follow on from like the Patriot Act in the U.S.? Is this where it all started? And then... no, no, I I uh, I guess this the. <laughs> The whole GSM technology is more European in nature, and there is a GSM alliance, it's a European organization that governs all the standards in uh, modern mobile communications. So that's thanks to them. How do we? Well, how do we reverse that? The only thing that we came up with is uh, decoupling the identity of subscriber from uh, the identity of mobile phone, that is the, the SIM card. We thought that if the if operator doesn't know uh, who the subscriber is, they will not be able to uh, <laughs> to track them as easily. Actually, for a very long time, uh, VIP persons were using foreign roaming SIM cards. They brought SIM cards from other countries and were ready to pay enormous roaming fees because uh, these things are uh, much harder to do uh, with roaming cards. For example... Uh, if you bring um, uh, Japanese SIM card to France, mm -hmm. the entity that wants to perform this kind of attack uh, that uh, I have just described uh, would have to uh, coerce or cooperate with Japanese authorities to control your SIM card. Damn. So they have to know that you are using a Japanese SIM card and uh, contact Japanese telecom to send these service messages to control your SIM card to ultimately control your mobile phone. This is much harder than uh, just work with your local network area. Basically, this is the idea be behind Silent Link. So our mm -hmm. uh, SIMs are always in roaming. Right. Okay. It's not even guaranteed that this attack will work when you are in roaming. It it can work, but it can fail as well. Do the employees at these telecommunications companies, do, do they know that they have disability? Of course. Damn, of course. Man. Actually, in many cases, you do not even need to be an employee. The only thing that you need is to know the uh, key, digital key for the SIM card to be able to you also need a special connection, SS7 connection to, to your mobile carrier to send these messages. Uh, but there is uh, uh, there was a, a hacker attack described uh, on DEFCON conference where people that were not uh, involved with, the, with local carriers or something they they were able to uh, block other person's phones uh, send uh, messages to premium numbers and deplete their balance uh, block their text messages for 
days. And uh, sometimes, I, I guess sometimes even, sometimes even uh, control their SIM card fully. So when people are worried about, um, we've all had this situation, I'm sure, where you feel as though you're being advertised something by whatever, maybe ads are popping up on a website or um, Twitter or Facebook or whatever social platform that you're using that you've been talking about with someone just recently, and you look at your phone, it's like, huh, has that been listening to me? How does it know I'm, I had a, a discussion about buying a new X, Y, Z, you know, whatever the thing is. That, is that actually happening then? And definitely not through this technology because it uh, gets you a rather low quality voice connection over conventional legacy phone call. Uh, definitely not through this, uh, and I don't have an answer whether this actually happens or not. Uh, I don't know, but uh, this is a popular concern. Right, okay. But as far as them being able to make a phone call, control your phone, make a phone call, listen into your phone calls, how often are they doing that? I mean, like, and Why? Because uh, any any carrier network is required to provide this capability to law enforcement, and uh, this technology is the best they could come up with. Not very good, as you as you can see, it leaks information and it allows uh, almost anyone. To abuse it but it's kind of tradition here you're blowing my mind right now that's crazy so if somebody wanted to uh, investigate anyone for whatever reason they could just work with the telecommunication company ask them to dial in to your sim card to to listen into your conversations that you're making with someone else, or just to listen to the conversations you'll have around the dinner table if you've got your phone next to you, for example? Uh, technically, yes. Uh, from the legal, <laughs> from the legal part of you, uh, they might uh, require some papers for that, but there could be some workarounds as well. For example, as far as I know, uh, the cost of uh, the cost of location data for any United States citizen is about two hundred dollars on the market. <laughs> for for two hundred dollars, you can if you know someone's phone number, you can get his location in real time and then listen uh, to his if, phone calls yeah no 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 it's just uh, obtain his location right for 200 bucks okay for 200 bucks if you are uh, like buying in bulk then it's much cheaper how much money are the telecommunications companies making from selling this kind of uh, data? I don't think they're selling. I, I think they are leaking. <laughs> but they might be selling as well. So no, I think that uh, location data is, of course, they're selling. Of course, they're selling because it's huge. Just so fucking creepy, mate. And, you know, this this takes me down the rabbit hole again. I have not looked into this, so please, anybody listening, uh, forgive any uh, mistakes that, that I might make here. Um, but there is a lot of concern from certain people 
about uh, 4G and 5G towers uh, that have been going up, and they see them just as an extended surveillance network, uh, kind of dressed up under the nice banner of, we are going to give you faster connection speed. Um, what's Did you have any insights on, on that at all? 2G and 3G was already enough to perform all the surveillance you can mention. So, 5G can pinpoint location much more accurately, but I don't see any situation where you will re really need that. Hmm. It just it just sends a stronger signal uh, to, to no the... no no. No, no, it's it's it, it it sends much weaker signal. It's five G sends weaker. Yes, much weaker, because oh. the main concern is the density of the network. The uh, more subscribers per square meter, the less power you have to transmit because uh, uh, towers will interfere with each other. So. First towers were transmitting like uh, watts, five watts, maybe even twenty watt. It was in the uh, first G or second G uh, era, uh, and then it gradually dropped to milliwatts. I believe five G is in milliwatt. Uh, in milliwatts, I, be I believe. Okay. So is, is 5G something we should be more worried about, less worried about? Um, I'm sure you've seen the arguments online about uh, that they're really bad for people. They're um, emitting EMF um, kind of frequencies, uh, interfering with nature and so on and so forth. Uh, what's in your experience uh, and from to, you know working within this field, what what have you seen? What's uh, some actual working evidence? I believe it's vice versa. Five G is much better because the power is uh, order of magnitude less powerful. But I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Can they can they change the the um, electromagnetic? frequency uh, like that's emitted through these towers can can they mess with it can they pulse it for example can they turn it right up if they want um... as far as I know the uh, lower the, the frequency there is more interaction between it and uh, any biological system any living organism the lower the frequencies the higher the frequencies the less interaction there is. So uh, if you want to interfere with something living uh, creature, you have to emit quite strong signal and uh, the frequency should be in uh, dozens of hertz or uh, alterations per second so maybe if, if it's uh, uh, 20 hertz it will interfere with living organisms but to emit uh, a radio signal with so low, low frequency you need to build an antenna that is about one kilometer in size hmm. So it's uh, actually should be the least of our concerns. And definitely 5G is much, should be much uh, safer in this regard. All right. That's so interesting to hear. And kind of, um, I, I hope it settles a lot of people's uh, fears over, over this technology that's being rolled out. But again, who knows? Um, what, Actually, what? as far as as far as I know, even very with a very strong high frequency signal, the only thing that you can do to a living organism is heat it. 
It's how microwave oven works. Mm -hmm. So if you put an egg inside the microwave oven, it will explode. But it's when the all the power is concentrated inside this chamber uh, with even powerful radars. Uh, you have to focus this power and it will only heat the uh, anything living uh, but it will not interfere with it in any other meaningful way right so if we concentrate on somebody listening to this now and they're thinking about they want to turn all of this surveillance off of their phone. What would be the best practice in in your kind of experience for them to do? Like for, for me, I cannot use an eSIM. So the first thing I would have to do would go find a phone that does support eSIMs. Is there a better or worse model? Is there a better or worse um should I go, you know, completely graphene OS as well? Uh, what, what, um, what would be your kind of like main hit points for somebody to follow, just to try and get the best experience out of uh, out of your service and the best way to keep them, you know, clean from this overreaching surveillance state? Well. Uh... If you if you want to avoid surveillance completely, you should not communicate with other people in any form at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll let's build from that as a foundation and say nobody wants to do that ever because we're social beings. We all know that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we need some surveillance. <laughs> To live a happy life, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, graphene is great. You know, it's very usable. We cannot recommend it more. Uh, but for everyday use, even iPhone is fine. Should be fine, unless you are some VIP person, or uh, yeah, of course, uh, if you if you uh, do something stupid like uh, holding a lot of a lot of bitcoin on an exchange and uh, you rely on uh, 2fa you get wrecked sooner or later mm. and you get wrecked sooner with an iphone than with uh, graphene i'm not sure that this should be a reason to upgrade from iphone to graphene it's much more important to move your money to your own hardware wallet, I believe. Uh, brain wallet is the best. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's start talking about that then, because I had a conversation with a young man in Africa uh, just recently. Uh, you might have been following that, uh, that story. He's using um, old cellular phones. Uh, for people to access um, the Lightning Network and and use it for uh, you know small payments in shops and stuff like that, uh, he brought up the the idea of you might be able to use a SIM card as a hardware wallet because, like you said, it is a computer. But if you've got the telecommunications company in charge of that, then there's definitely a security risk there. Um, obviously, it might work differently in Africa. There might be a work around it. Um, but here, that that's just not going to work, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, not the best idea. Definitely. Actually, okay. in Africa, they had the whole payment system built on SIM cards for a very long, quite a while. I don't remember how it was called. It was called M-Pesa. M-Pesa, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was nice and it even uh, prevented proliferation of uh, uh, of bank cards in Africa. It was definitely an interesting technological solution, but uh, of course it has uh, 
enormous limits. It's not Lightning Network in any way. I don't think a SIM card is a good uh, storage of your private keys because it can be sweeped by some employee at the operator. Okay. Um, if you're not familiar with, uh, with the project, uh, I'd love to put you guys in touch so you can swap uh, ideas. Uh, Machang Kura is the guy that I had on the podcast uh, and has been, um, mm -hmm. if you, I don't know if you've seen it or follow him, but it's Machang Kura 8333. And I'll send you the link to this, uh, this podcast afterwards as well. So you can reach out if you see that there's an opportunity to, to help him in any way, because he's doing some incredible work. And I'd love to, you know, as we all do in the Bitcoin space, we want to push these projects forward in the best possible practice as efficiently and as quickly as possible uh, and as safe as possible. Uh, so I'll make that introduction after, after the recording here. I wanted to touch on a few things, a few other safety tips that um, we're kind of aware of, I suppose, but don't really know how it works. Uh, what, what, um, what happens in like the classic case of a, a SIM swap where somebody might come up to you next to you in a bar or a restaurant or something and put their phone next to yours and then swap over your data. How, how What's going on there? How does that work? And, and how can we avoid it? Uh, no, 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 no. It doesn't work this way. Okay. It doesn't work this way. Uh, it works, uh, works in the following way. Uh, for example, I know that uh, you keep a lot of Bitcoin on an exchange. Uh, imagine the situation. And I know that you use your phone as a 2FA, right? Mm -hmm. and I know your phone number. I go to local carrier, like France Telecom, for example, and impose myself as you. And I tell them, I lost my SIM card. Please issue another one with the same number. They issue the card. I use your number. I receive SMS. I drain your account. That's how it works. Hmm. How do we fight it? So you, 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 you do not have to meet with the person. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, you fight it by, uh, by using our service. Yes. <laughs> yes. or any other meaningful way. But uh, most important is that you do not uh, allow anyone to just go to the local carrier and uh, reissue your SIM card, take control of your number. Most importantly, you do not uh, use your phone number to store any funds. No, of course not. But then, of course, like some of the websites, uh, exchanges or apps or whatever it is that people are using, the on-ramps uh, generally do use uh, a 2FA service and it's, uh, it's generally advised. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, second factor authentication, just to um, you know, clear that up. Uh, and services such as Google Authy or there's an Authy Authenticator or Authy uh, are probably the two best known. I'm sure there's plenty of others out there. Um, so would you advise people not to use 2FA? Yes. Uh, at least uh, as long as it's, it's, it's our bread, we are selling this identity plans. Uh, do not use uh, the number that other people know. Use a special number. For it. Right. Right. Okay. That's a good thing for people to understand. Mm -hmm. So we've not talked about your rabbit hole story. So when did you start learning about Bitcoin then? Was this whilst you were sitting at work in a telecommunications company or previous to that in university or school? What, how did that start um, generating itself for you? Bitcoin creeping into your mind. 2011, midnight. 
I'm Googling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I, was still, I was still using Google. <laughs> I, I'm Googling P2P payment system. And I see the Bitcoin white paper. How do you like that? Wow. Why were you searching for a P2P payment system? Because I was dealing with uh, payments and uh, various payment systems and uh, situations where money did not reach the payee. What, was this personal stuff or corporate stuff at the time? Uh, <laughs> yeah, corporate. corporate. Man. Corporate stuff. All right. Okay. So you Google and... Uh, Bam, there it comes. The absolute yeah, just, pristine it, solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just uh, I imagined if you can transfer files in a P2P manner, why can't you make pen payments in P2P manner? I was not aware about, about the whole field and the great problems that have to be solved. I just tried Googling and I read the white paper and uh, then I understood why it has to be some unit of account that is not tied to dollar. It has to be traded. The only problem was that I did not uh, see it as a final solution. I thought it's uh, proof of concept. Mm -hmm. So I got distracted by other stuff. It cost me a lot of money. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we all have the same story, uh, just a different year attached to it. Um, that that's incredible. So, had you already then um, kind of understood? Like, had you been doing that the, the torrenting and that kind of stuff? Was it just like click, click, click? This makes so much sense. Uh, yes, 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 yes. It was, it was great. I, I couldn't sleep that night. Because it really made a lot of sense to me. That's awesome. So you go away from it. You, you don't dive into it. Because probably it was very difficult to find really good information about it back then. You know, you, you, if you've seen it, you, you want to understand it. The, where do you go? Like, where where were the educational resources? There were. It's like there were there were no books or any articles that were being written at those in those days were just all about internet geek money. Um, what did you find yourself in? Kind of a bit of a, a situation where you wanted to learn more, but it was just so difficult to to find trusted sources. Bitcoin talk dot org and then i believe the first uh the first outlet that i started using was the rabbit hole recap and uh tales from the grip podcast the the what what one sorry the first one you said uh rabbit hole recap by uh, oh Matt yes and... right yes Re yeah matt, matt matt and marty uh, yeah and marty Big shout out to Matt and Marty, Rabbit Hole Recap. Yeah. When did they start? Yeah, thanks then. I'd like, yeah, I wonder when the first episode of that was because I didn't find that then until, you know, too late, uh, unfortunately. Um, like uh, like many of us. But uh once you find these resources, you can't stop listening to them, can you? Yes, yes. I was kind of trying to wrap my mind around the Maxi idea because uh, to an unprepared mind, it looked like a religious sect. <laughs> and it was really, really hard to understand why it could actually be true. It was much harder to understand this than how Bitcoin works and why it's important. At least to me. So nowadays... Here you are, you, you're in the space, you're working um, with, with Silent Link. Uh, did you manage to get yourself out of Fiat Life or is that still a goal that you're working on? 
are you balancing kind of like many people out there, you're kind of balancing a Bitcoin persona and a fiat persona at the same time? No, no, no. I'm full in for a, quite a while. <laughs> well done, brother. That's, that's awesome. So you managed to escape the telecommunications uh, and get out of there and, uh, and start building something useful for, uh, for plebs to, to use. Was this your first project or did you try something else before in a different area of Bitcoin? Uh, yes, sure. I worked in telecom and I built some projects there. Uh, it's not my first project. But it, your, is it your first Bitcoin project? My first Bitcoin project, yes. Wow. And it's clearly, uh, it's clearly working. And um, what would you like uh to see um going forward where, where where do you think you can take this if you had uh, the right support uh we de we definitely want to uh kind of experiment with hardware mm -hmm. because we believe that what people need is uh, uh, wireless hotspot. Okay, how would that work? That is eSIM capable and EIMEI changeable. Okay, explain <laughs> for for us <laughs> for us that aren't in your um, level of uh, depth in the telecommunications world. Uh, there is just no such product as. Uh, fully eSIM compatible hotspot, portable hotspot that would allow uh, people to use uh, uh, other mobile phones and uh, devices and computers uh, with eSIMs that we offer. So um, an expensive device that would uh, work as a Wi-Fi hotspot would be a convenient solution. Hmm. So it'd be kind of like a little hardware device that maybe one person in your group of friends or colleagues uh, might have. You can go to a, um, we go anywhere uh, and meet up, but use that hardware to connect everybody via an eSIM to the um, to the internet, so you can work or communicate. Uh, in a more private way. Sure, sure. That's one of the possible applications, definitely. Or you could use uh, this hotspot to connect your Motorola or what you have. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, that would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? Sure. So at the moment, for for example, to make this call, uh, with yourself, I'm using a dirty orange um, or orange uh, flybox thing, which is a 4G uh, with a with a SIM connected. Uh, so the idea would be that device, if it was built by yourself and capable to you know carry an eSIM, then I'm just paying Silent Link for that data and I can connect wherever I want, wherever I've got a, uh, a power source. Yeah, sure. It, it could uh, also uh, host, uh, for example, Tor and yes. isolate uh, all the devices in its network from uh, your IP address. Holy shit, you've got to build this thing. We hope so, yes. <laughs> Do you... Um... That's that's always the uh, the stumbling block, isn't it? Uh, you know, finding the funds for this. Are, are you do, do you need to raise funds to to make this happen? Is that something that you'd be looking to do? We are looking to do this. Yes. All right. Well, if anybody is listening that would be interested in in helping you uh, make this thing into a reality, should they just reach out via DMs? What what's the best way to? Of course, of course. Matrix is the best. Matrix is the best, yeah? Yes. So, yes. And what's your user name on? Is that just Silent Link? 
Yes, it's a support at silent link. Oh, uh, with matrix, it's at support semicolon silent.link. Anyway, it's on uh, right on our website. Okay, that's right on your website. So anybody can go there and uh, and reach out and, and chat with you. Sure, if, they've got, if they've got um, perhaps any uh, technical skills as well that they might be able to bring to the team, um, that'd be uh, something as well that, that somebody might be able to add value rather than just, um, you know, kind of look for any kind of venture capital money. There's always different ways that we can, you know, add value here. My, my, my last question uh, regarding this sort of thing are your thoughts on, um, on Starlink uh, that uh, has been, you know, the, these satellites that are getting put up by Elon Musk to provide us all with very fast available internet access uh, around the world, including very remote areas. Um, do you see this as a PSYOP? Or do you see this as something that is um, very much needed and is uh, very much coming from a place of uh, good? Or do you think there's something else going on behind the scenes? Like all Elon's uh, ventures, very exciting and frightening at the same time. Mm. Because it's just a, a great product and uh, it seems like it might suck up all the internet traffic it's just better than the existing infrastructure who would need uh, these cables underwater cables that are slow when you can use this satellite network that works much faster but uh, the idea of uh, whole internet operated by one entity yeah is a bit uh, frightening. Yeah, that that's kind of where I was leaning to. It, it you know a centralization of the internet by one yeah. company that is backed by goodness knows who, who's funding the, uh, the these rocket launches, who's putting these satellites up there in the first place. Are the satellites owned by Starlink or are they co-owned or are they owned by um, telecommunications companies themselves? Um, how do we decentralize this idea and make products like yours? So if I, if I were using Starlink, but I was using it with one of your eSIMs, then I'm still private, right? Well, to an extent to an extent, because uh, if there is a global network, uh, first we will need mobile phones that uh, interact with this satellite network that they, this equipment does not exist and this technology does not exist at the moment. But when, it's, when it's a reality, then I'm afraid just buying and eSIM with lightning will not be enough because uh, uh, nothing uh, nothing identifies anyone better than their uh, location. Nothing. Mm -hmm. If someone knows your real-time location, they can identify you in a matter of minutes. So what's written in your papers does not really matter that much. What's your given name? What's your date of birth? It doesn't matter. If there is an entity that knows that uh, the person that moves in this place, from that place to this place, and uh, it's emitting this messages that i don't know uh, tell something bad about some important person that's all what they need to know it doesn't really matter what's your name yeah but at the same time we are lost without these devices um because this is the way 
you know, we communicate and, and do our business and, and live our lives. Like everything in life, no easy solution. No simple answer. Always a trade-off. Yes, exactly. Well, this has been a, a fascinating little discussion, my friend. Um, really love what you've done here, and I'm going to start looking at it a lot closer. And I hope a lot of the plebs that have been listening are going to reach out and to at least go and check out the website uh, to see what it is that you offer and, and how they might be able to use it. Uh, so it's silent.link. Uh, very easy. Go find it. Go check it out. Um, but before I let you go, the uh, the final question of each podcast is, if you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give that pill to and why? Uh I don't know at the moment because uh, the person that uh, that had this honor <laughs> lost it. <laughs> it would be Putin, of course, because he had a product to sell for Bitcoin that uh, could influence the adoption greatly. And now it's not the case, mm. I believe. Maybe it is. Maybe actually this is some, something that could save him. I don't know if he's uh, keen enough to understand this. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is for everyone, right? Or Bitcoin is for enemies. Bitcoin. Yes, yes. There's that. Yeah, it, it is the, uh, the, the great hope uh, that we all carry that uh, it will... Um, end these kind of uh, aggressive tactics by by nation states when when we move further and deeper into a, uh, a Bitcoin standard and, and you know wider understanding of monetary policy and, and how it's just uh, shaped this disaster of the last century. Um, so fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Yeah, maybe exactly. Maybe maybe if he was to to get that mind virus. Uh, that would go a long way to, to orange pilling many other people as well. All right. Well, it's been a great chat. Uh, I've really appreciated you coming on. It's been, uh, it's been great to get to know you and thank you for being so understanding and, and helping me when I was in your DMS trying to get help signing up to a service that obviously in the end that I couldn't use due to my hardware. Uh, great customer service, by the way, uh, you, you're running a, a great product, great customer service, you should be very much um, applauded for that. And I hope a lot more people that are listening to this are going to reach out and start following you and using your service as well. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. And uh, please stay in touch with us. 100%. Take care and speak soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, guys, thank you, first of all, so much for listening. And thank you to whoever you are out there building this service you and the team that you have there are doing an amazing job uh, i just hope more people reach out to you if there's anybody listening to that that can add any kind of value to this team at all reach out to them on their uh on their twitter or reach out via their website or if you want to use their service just go right ahead start chatting with them live and ask them questions uh, like I said at the end there, they were very, very helpful when I was trying to use their service. Uh, I now have to start looking for a new phone, I assume, so I can start using this service. And you, you probably could hear I was having my mind blown at the amount of fuckery that's going on out there when it comes to us being tracked right down to the fact somebody can just listen to our phones whenever they want like, this is just beyond complete and utter nonsense so go find that eSIM if you're interested in this service like you said at the very very beginning of the show you know they're not going to be able to compete on price right so do not be anchored to your current data price point because obviously there are hidden costs that come with that uh, anyway, thank you again, Silent Link, for everything you're doing and uh, to the gentleman that came on the show to educate us here today. 
Uh, please make sure you're supporting the show sponsors and get across and meet some Bitcoiners if you can. The Amsterdam conference is coming up. Please hit the link in the show notes. Go and check out the list of speakers there. It's very impressive. There's going to be a great bunch of Bitcoin plebs hanging around, having fun in Amsterdam. Go get your tickets. If you want to come, you can use the code BITTEN. You will get a discount there. And if you want to get across to Prague as well, or instead of, you know, you make your own decisions, then you can use the link to come across to Liberty in Our Lifetime. That link is Princey. Uh, the code, excuse me, or just hit the link in the show notes and you'll get discounts there. If you're not buying books for your friends in their native tongue, you should be. Consensus Network have you covered. It's a pleb initiative. And Ungovernable Misfits are producing some great merch. That's Mr. Crown and your boy over at the Bit by Bit pod, Max, who's been doing a great job with the pleb mining month. And, um, of course, there's Swan Relay coin corner all there to help you stack and shift crypto are there to help you keep your stack safe right at the end here shout out to shift crypto follow them on twitter we're going to run a giveaway one ticket to the amsterdam conference coming up make sure to keep an eye out on my feed and their feed and maybe you'll get that chance to win that ticket thanks for listening guys take care catch you on the next show